What the Fashion is sponsored by Glug Wines. Glug Wines is a London-based wine merchant who believe that everyone deserves amazing wine at home. So much so that they've created their own wine subscription service called The Glug Box. Why not become a member and sign up to The Glug Box, where you can receive sommelier-selected wines delivered straight to your door every month. Included in The Glug Box subscription are tasting notes, access to Zoom tastings, and occasional interviews with winemakers. I mean, what's not to love? You get 25% off your first month and free shipping on all orders. So head online to theglugbox.co.uk or follow them on Instagram at theglugbox to find out more. The Glug Box. Wine adventures delivered to your door. Hello, you're listening to What the Fashion, a weekly fashion podcast hosted by myself, Jasmine Dunn, and a lineup of brilliant, exciting, intelligent guests, all professionals in the industries of fashion and beauty. I cannot wait to share the conversations we've had together. Whether you're totally fashion obsessed or you just enjoy dipping your toes in the industry, I can guarantee you're going to get something great out of this podcast. So sit down, get a cup of tea ready, get cosy or go for a run or do whatever you listen to your podcast doing and enjoy what the fashion This week, we're in conversation with writer Sophie Wilson. After getting an MA in fashion journalism from Central St. Martins, Sophie has gone on to become a freelance writer whose insightful and entertaining articles you can find in Vogue, ID, The Face, Refinery29, and many more. She truly is a talent to look out for, and she was a pleasure to talk to. Enjoy! So why don't you start by telling us a bit about what you do? Yeah, so I'm a freelance writer. So I kind of split my time between doing journalism and like copywriting and social media. So I mostly write about like fashion and culture and the intersection between like fashion and social issues, fashion and wider culture. So yeah, that's what I do like day to day. So tell me about the beginning. Was there a moment where you realised you wanted to be a writer or did it just kind of happen gradually over time? Yeah, I kind of always wanted to do it. Mm. Even when I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer and I was like writing stories all the time. And then by the time I was like a teenager, I started a blog and I'd always read a lot of magazines. So I kind of decided that that was probably the most realistic way and something that I would really enjoy to do to get into actually turning that into a job and I carried on doing that like throughout my BA which I did I studied English Lit and then I studied fashion journalism at CSM for my MA and that kind of helped give me the confidence to think like okay I can actually do this. Talking of scenes I remember when we were teenagers I felt like they had just become this huge thing um because of social media it totally exploded at the time and online zines became this whole world it was really exciting for me to realize my photos could actually be published somewhere and I think you probably had the same thing with your writing. Yeah definitely I know because like I have some that I bought online but like zines were obviously quite a big thing in the 90s but then I think with the internet it became so much more like democratic like you didn't have to be like living in this city and like in this scene you could be like the scene like moved online yeah from like all over contributing and it was just like a really nice creative thing like I was even looking at the 
first rookie yearbook the other day and I was like oh like looking at that just takes me back. I think Rookie launched a lot of creative careers. It had this amazing ability to make everyone feel welcome even though it was based in America. I remember for Rookie Yearbook 3 my sisters and I took part in that and I remember feeling like a part of the community and it didn't feel smug at all. It really builds your creative confidence and I think all teenagers should have something like that. Yeah yeah definitely and even now so many people I interview um, for work I end up talking about Rookie with them (laughs) and it's like so nice that everyone's now doing the stuff that they wanted to do when they were a teenager. So you started out writing for zines and then what was the process like when you were trying to get taken on by the high-end magazines which you now write for? So I did the first piece I got published in like a big magazine was ID and basically I knew one of the editors because I used to write for the tab like the student paper I did that for the whole three years at uni so I pitched to her it was a piece that I'd been like planning to write for years because it was about like fashion and self-harm I started in with the lighter topics there (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and then so that got accepted. And then the second piece was in Days and I'd done an internship there. So I pitched to them. So it started with an important connection and you built your profile from there. I didn't realise that writing in a student paper could be so impactful on your career. Yeah, and I used to write like multiple pieces a week for that and like Mm. didn't get paid for any of it. I feel like you write fashion-based articles, but it's a bit more as it's always about the cultural and social impact fashion has on other things. For example, fashion and mental health, like you said before. Was that a choice that you made or has that come naturally to you? I think so, because, well, as a teenager, I was like super into fashion in my young teens. And then I think around the time that I started really getting into rookie, I was like, started feeling like fashion on its own wasn't enough and ever since then I've gone to and fro with being like do I want to do fashion like do I want to be a fashion journalist do I like fashion like I don't know I wouldn't even say that fashion is my main interest but I really enjoy writing about it especially speaking to young designers like they're all so passionate about their work and I find it super fascinating like speaking to them and talking through their process I mean, fashion obviously doesn't exist in a vacuum, so I like to look at how it's relevant to other things. I wanted to talk to you a bit about getting paid as a creative. I know it's a really taboo subject and I think it can be hard to figure out. So I just wanted to ask you, when and how did you figure out how to set a rate for your work? And are you confident with that or is that something you're still figuring out? Yeah, I think people definitely need to be way more transparent about like getting paid as a creative and how much and rates and everything. But as a writer, I don't think it's realistic to set a rate. Most places will tell me what the rate is and I'll just accept it. Like I've negotiated a couple of times, but I'm more likely to do that for kind of copywriting social media stuff than the journalism. I'd say that average, like I'm just going to say like the average rate because it's the sort of thing I would have really wanted to know. Yeah, if you're happy to share it, then yeah. yeah. So I'd say the average is like £200 for a feature, but it, it varies from like £30 to like £500, depending on where it is. What is the best piece of advice that you could give to a writer who is just starting out? I think I'd say don't wait for someone else to give you permission to start. Like just start sending pitches and don't think that you have to have it all figured out. So yeah, that would probably be my main piece of advice. 
So I wanted to talk more about your focus on the relationship between fashion and mental health. It's a hard topic to come across unless it's about the obvious connection between models and body image. Is there anything else under the umbrella of fashion and mental health which you think needs to be discussed more widely in fashion journalism? For my final project for my MA, I wrote a piece about the history of straight jackets. I spoke to loads of different mental health experts. I decided to ask all of them as well, like, what do you think the fashion industry can do to be like more inclusive of people with mental illness? I kind of still want to turn that into a piece because it was such a varied response because it's such a big question, really. And it's not exactly like they're fashion experts. They'll know as much as the next person about the industry. Yeah, yeah. People said stuff from like, having casting a show where all the models have some kind of like mental illness to like normalize it and then someone else said so all those slogans that you see in like fast fashion shops like cute but psycho is really stigmatizing for people who have like psychosis I spoke to companies that still do types of straight jackets actually for psych wards and like how that's changed and different countries have different laws I also love writing stuff like that that looks at like one specific item of clothing whether it's like fashion or not it's something that people put on their bodies I think it's really hard though like where to draw the line between creativity and things that are going too far offensively just because I was talking about this with someone we were talking about Alexander McQueen and how like a lot of his shows that we think are super innovative and creative would probably get a lot of back a lot more backlash today that's so interesting do you have any particular collections in mind yeah I was just thinking about the show you know where they're all in like the glass box yeah and with the, yeah, the models yeah and the models are like against the screen like screaming and like with their hands oh, up and yeah. it's like they're trapped in an asylum it was this really interesting concept because to start with like the um, audience were looking in the mirror and then it was like the mirror came up and it was like see-through and that was all about mental health. I think a lot of his stuff was coming from a personal place which I think makes a difference. It's weird isn't it because it seemed so organically dark and as we know it, it did come from a personal place. Do you think print will survive not just the pandemic but the digital age? Print was already struggling because of digital before the pandemic, but I think it's going to be struggling a lot more. Like, I love print magazines. I always have, but long term, like the big magazines are probably going to go more and more digital. But I think that whole kind of zine culture still exists in indie publications, and I think that will carry on. In April 2020, Vogue stated that London Fashion Week will become both gender neutral and digital. How do you think this will affect the way we consume trends that are usually born at Fashion Week? I find it personally really difficult to get excited about Digital Fashion Week. So I think quite a lot of the trends born from Fashion Week are like the people on the street going to Fashion Week. So obviously like digital and gender neutral is good from a sustainability perspective. Having spoken to a few young designers about this, they're really excited about the potential that Digital Fashion Week has. Personally, I think the best way forward for Fashion Week would be like a combination of digital and physical. So like not just a straightforward runway show, because that's like we've been doing that for years. It's quite boring now. But like a kind of multimedia event that combines like all these amazing films that designers have been doing in the pandemic, but still has people physically go to see it. And maybe more like a kind of exhibition than just one show so that more like you'd have a press day and then you'd have a day where 
anyone can go. Yeah, I mean, as amazing and important it is that Fashion Week is accessible to young, deserving designers, by making it digital, we're losing that mystery that everyone loves where people are climbing over the walls just to try and catch a glimpse of a show. I mean, I don't know if you saw the images from the Telfar show where people were literally climbing over each other just to just to see it for a second. And there's something really historic about that because it proves physically how much people love that brand. Although you can see it in stats and numbers online, I just don't think it's the same. But on the flip side, this new way is incredibly accessible and sustainable. So it, it makes me wonder how people will perceive Fashion Week in the future. Yeah, I think there are definitely special moments like that Telfar show and like some of McQueen's shows where people want to be able to look back and be like, I was there, not just like, oh, I watched it on my phone. Yeah. Like in, in bed in my pajamas. Like yeah. that's not the same. In terms of the gender neutral side of Fashion Week, I feel like it's a great thing and it was a really long time coming. Would you agree? That's true, but I also think quite often fashion like just slaps this gender neutral label onto things and it's just like suits. Like it's you know, yeah. it's, it's not actually like pushing anything in terms of gen like getting rid of gender norms and it's not really like crediting the trans and non-binary community that it's like come from so I think there's still like a long way that fashion has to go in terms of that yeah I mean I don't think obviously not every designer has to create this really radical gender neutral collection like menswear and women's wear is it's fine to separate the two like but it's just we've done that for so long like Mm. it's kind of boring now like let's do something different yeah and like I said I don't think every designer should do this I don't think that and yeah it's the same with the mental health thing as well like I think it should come from a personal place otherwise it's just like queer baiting it's so interesting talking to you I love how you don't want to one-dimensionalize fashion and you want to connect it with real life and real issues with your writing and it's it's really refreshing and to totally counteract that if you could only save three items of clothing from your wardrobe what would they be and why so I'll start with the bougie bitch answer for the first one. <laughs> the one would be my tabby boots. Yeah, I bought them when I finished my MA, so they kind of like symbolise like the start of my career in fashion. So yeah, those. Then I would also take my flared jeans that I have that I bought on Depop. And I was like really worried they weren't going to fit because when you buy secondhand jeans, it's really risky. But they fit perfectly. Like I've never had a pair of jeans that fit so well. And then this red leather jacket that I bought in like this massive charity shop in Suffolk that I've had for years. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck with everything. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much to Sophie for joining us this week. After that, if you want to read Sophie's work, head over to her Instagram at slwilson or go to her website, sophielwilson.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye! What the Fashion was recorded remotely via Zoom. The theme music was made by Will Bennett.